Pubcast. If you're not listening to Pubcast, the terrorists are winning. That's what Jay Moore says. Welcome to the Pubcast with Michelle Riley, Mike Cross, and Brendan O'Neill. Sit down and enjoy a pint. There's a county map to go with the wall, a hurl, a stick, and a shinty bowl, the brick, the brack, the crack, and all. Let's call it an Irish pub. All right, we're back. This week, it's just me and Mike. Down and dirty. Down and dirty. (laughs) Too original Irish. (laughs) That's right. We are, uh, we're back and better than ever, right? Well, we're back. (laughs) That's the best we can hope for. So, over the weekend, um, I did, over the weekend, I guess last Friday, I went and saw... Louis C.K., uh, downtown at uh, the Chicago Theater with uh, the one and only Rob Nash. And it was a really good show. Um, I've seen him a couple of different times. And, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, he's always good. Uh, Sometimes I've seen him where he is working things out. He... uh, uh, He's got a lot of good material, but some of it you can see is sort of, eh, it's not quite there yet. Um, this time it was, I don't know, a solid 80 minutes, um, something like that. And it was pretty honed in, pretty tight. I mean, there may be some trimming here and there, but it seemed like Louie had a another good, solid hour special uh, ready to roll. I mean, had the cameras be, been rolling, it could have been on HBO or something for sure. It was It was that good. Does not surprise me. He, yeah. uh, he typically brings quite the edge. Um, oh, he was it was great. Then the the crowd was hanging on his every word. I mean, they it was a uh, it was a good crowd. He was he was hit. His timing was right. He was hitting all the right points, and he did he did his usual stuff about. Uh, I mean about aging about marriage about divorce about kids um but one of the uh uh things he talked about that it was funny but i'm not gonna be able to convey the the humor because i can't get the words right but uh he was talking about um how running away from anything a marriage a job a whatever running away is not going to solve your problems but Killing yourself will solve all your problems. It will definitely mm-hmm. s- solve every problem. Not that you should do it, but if you if you are dead set on solving all your problems, killing yourself solves all the problems for you, but not for everybody else, obviously. So if you want an easy way out for yourself, you're super selfish, kill yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's an interesting proposition. And well, it, it was the, the usual thing where he says that and it's funny but it also gets groans and and, and it was you know uncomfortable but, but it was put in a funny way so people uh, were laughing about it but it was perfect louis ck sort of stuff it was awesome the interesting thing about louis ck is is that he is comfortable enough to say these things that we're all thinking yeah that no one wants to intimate right like um you know when this happened with my friend back in september if i would have said well yeah, he had a bunch of problems. They're all gone now. Right, I probably would have been met with a lot of groans and scorn and questioning. But the reality is there. So yeah. one of the things that I really appreciate about him is that he looks at everything from a very realistic point of view, um, and puts a very biting edge on it. And I think yeah. uh, it was it's it was, real. It was it's very. Real. Real. I mean, it was it was great because he yeah, I mean, like you were saying, he says what you think in the back of your mind kind of sort of i mean he said uh you know all your problems are gone for you everybody right. else still has to deal with all that shit but uh, you're scot free you're you're out so it's all exactly that. and <laughs> and the other the other thing about louis is is wow what an interesting background his parents met when they were at harvard yeah um they divorced when he was 10 his father converted to judaism um, his mother, you know, grew up on a farm in Michigan. So there's yeah. a lot of moving parts there, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of pieces that give him a very unique edge. And his, you know, his dad's obviously- Mexican. He grew up in Mexico, right? 
Yeah. Right. And, um, which is amazing. Like, Louis lived in Mexico until yeah. he was seven. He right? came to the U S not speaking English. Right. Right. So incredible for a even, guy with his complexion. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine what SPF they had to be using on him back in the early seventies <laughs> to keep them from turning completely, uh, uh, cherry red, but uh, yeah. there are Mexican or there are uh, redheads in Mexico. Uh, Canelo, Al- Canelo Alvarez, the, the the fighter, but uh, not that kind of redhead. Not the uh, pasty no, white uh, uh, Northern European redhead. He's like out of central casting for someone from Boston, which is where he moved yeah. to when he came back, and yeah. just looks that way. I mean, he looks like he could be a Southie kid. Yeah, he also did. Another piece on uh, uh, public school teachers, and it was saying like, you know, they'll get get criticized uh, for, you know, right or wrong for having, you know, for complaining about this or that, and they haven't made because they have their summers off and they're not working that hard and whatever. And a lot of that's BS. But he went even further, like saying, you have to teach math to these kids and they don't want to learn math and it's really hard and they don't want you to teach it to them and they're going to you know they're going to do this and that and you know he listed all these problems and these uh, challenges of public school teachers obviously in a funny way and he's like and at the end and, and then he goes into his like teacher voice like oh do I get a, a an amazing salary and benefits he's like no you get almost no money <laughs> you have to do all this stuff no. teach kids math who don't want to don't want to get it and then you get paid a very small salary yeah and so uh, uh, that was another one where he was in his own way he was uh, sort of I don't know striking back at some of the uh, uh, detractors of. Uh, teachers and all that, but uh, he was, it was a good long, I don't know, 10 minute Louis C.K. bit, but uh, it ended in basically saying that teachers are, uh, you know, underpaid and uh, unappreciated, but uh, uh, they still come back for those jobs. So mm-hmm. it was cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, summer's off. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad deal. I know. Um, he's, okay. uh, he's, you know, and I think we get into this a little bit yep. more when we get to the to the Jay Moore segment, but yep. um, probably our most noted comedian right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he was producing the most edgy material and probably the most volume of material. Uh, he seems to be uh, prolific right prolific now, where and, and varied, where he he has a. Uh, you know the TV show on FX, and he does stand-up specials. And he does this Horace and Pete sort of uh, one-act play or hour-long play on uh, uh, on his own platform on online, and he's doing all kinds of stuff. He's just that dude never sleeps. No, but um, also that that is noted is that if it's a labor of love, it's not really work, right? Right. And I think he's so good at it. Oh, yeah. It's such a good outlet for him that, uh, you know, I don't see it slowing down. No. And uh, for the listeners, we do come back to this uh, later on. Um, we'll we'll get into this a little bit more, but uh, we do talk about this with uh, uh, Jay, Le- uh, Jay Leno. Uh, Jay Moore. Uh, he, he holds Louis C.K. in the same regard that we do, which is great. Um, before we get to Jay, I want to bring up one thing I saw. You might enjoy this, Mike. Uh, oh, I have two things, actually. One is the, uh, it's a headline that I saw, I think it was last week or the week before. Here it goes. Mm -hmm. Uh, stoned sheep go on a psychotic rampage after eating cannabis plants dumped in well, in a Welsh village. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> a bunch of sheep in Wales got into uh, an illegal cannabis factory and, uh, uh, you know, farm and ate a bunch of cannabis and went crazy. The word they use is psychotic. And we're terrorizing mm. this, li- <laughs> this little village in Wales. A bunch of hopped up sheep. 
terrorizing a, yeah. a Welsh village. Okay, here's the thing that's confusing to me. Hopped <laughs> up sheep, they're <laughs> eating a bunch of pot, right? Yeah. So what exactly are they doing that's considered hopped up? I know. That's really what's confusing to me because I would think they would be like laying around looking for burritos. That's what I mean. Like they're they're breaking the people's houses and, and, and getting bags of Doritos. Yeah, they're totally yeah, any kind of <laughs> rampage they're on is because they've got the munchies like motherfuckers. Right? I mean I think that's that goes without saying. Yeah, I thought that was a good one. Only in the UK. Exactly. The uh, other item I have is I just saw it earlier today. And this isn't exactly a uh, regular feature on our podcast, but it may become one, I think. I think it's a good idea for us to keep our eyes open. We're going to call this uh, Tweet of the Week. Okay. And here's a tweet I saw earlier today that came across from, of all places, 2020, the TV show on ABC. Okay. Uh, Without any setup, here it is. Bobby Brown claims that he had sex with a ghost. Mm. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's from well, that's from 2020. Oh, man. Well, I, I will say that <laughs> the whole Bobby Brown thing is, is compelling, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know if you were around for the being Bobby Brown oh, yeah. television vehicle. Of course. Uh, that was some of the most gripping television you'd ever see just because it was crazy town, right? Um, oh yeah, it's it doesn't surprise me that he came out with that. I I, I will still say that uh, "Don't Be Cruel" his album from what <laughs> nineteen eighty eight is still it holds up. Sure, the time. Sure, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, a great effort. I mean, I think he had like six or seven number ones out of that album. I mean, come on, Bobby he, made a life out of that. He was the big star that came out of New Edition. I mean, there was he a really couple, was, but he, yeah. he was the biggest. But, Without uh, yeah. question, he was the biggest. Bobby Brown had sex with a ghost, he says. Mm. I In mean, his Georgia mansion. Holy shit. And the ghost actually came to him, which means he's probably well hung. <laughs> so. I think he is still stuck in, like, 1987 when uh, Ghostbusters 2 came out. He did the song for Ghostbusters 2. I think he's, his head's still back there. You know, it wouldn't... Sex with a ghost. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, that, listen, I don't even think we need to comment on that. <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. But the, the beautiful thing about uh, this is the comments, on, and I'm on Complex.com reading about this, Yeah, and people are being very serious and saying, pound praying, I believe him. Um, oh, Lord. Yeah. I mean, there's, interestingly, there's a lot of nut jobs out there. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, I wasn't high, said Brown. I was not tripping. L-M-F-A-O. Um, let's, yeah, say, Bobby, let's say it's real. Rough let's say this actually happened. Uh, okay. Let's just go down that path for a second. Uh Exactly how do you have sex with a ghost? How I mean how how is this happening? Well it's like having sex with a fog bank. According to this, this the or ghost mounted him. <laughs> right? So Of course. It was like a mist that came through and mounted him and uh, whatever. Right. So he didn't seek it out, so <laughs> I mean, it was just, you got to remember, I mean, if this ghost thinks it's 1990, Bobby Brown is like an A-list. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It is. It's the big green Slimer uh, ghost from the original Ghostbusters. The original right? Ghostbusters, right. We finally found Bobby Brown and thinks it's still 1990. <laughs> Climbs on top, goes for a ride. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Bobby Brown. At, least it's, at least it's comical. Right. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up tonight is, yeah. um, this kid from Stanford who raped a passed out girl. Mm. Name is Brock Turner. Wait, I are hope. You, are you sure he's not a ghost? He might be. Um, <laughs> well, he's going to be a ghost after he gets out of prison. Yeah. Let me tell you that. 
but unfortunately, the judge, who was also an athlete at Stanford, um, much like Brock Turner, yeah, him a little slap on the wrist with a six-month jail sentence. Um, the prosecutors were asking for six years, right? Right, six years. Uh, it, it's a the crime is punishable by six to fourteen years. Um, oh, and no. he got six months, and he'll be out in three months based on good behavior. That's and he will be, and he will be in a form of protective custody because he will be in county jail in a single cell. Single cell. Yeah, so he will not be in a penitentiary because it's under a year. What is this, Shawshank? Well, you don't go to... Here's the difference between (laughs) uh, going to jail and going to prison. Jail is anything up to a year. Prison is anything one year and one day or more. So um, by getting less than a year, he just goes to county jail and he has to, you know check in and he's in a very protective environment protected environment and uh the real problem that i have with this and that look the kid did what he did uh as the father of a daughter and as the father of a son i want to see the kid get everything he can get right i'd rather see the kid in prison for 14 years so that he's a good lesson yeah but he didn't get it so i don't really have a problem with him i have a problem with the father who said that he shouldn't um, it's a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action out of his 20 plus years of life. <laughs> what? Yeah. I didn't see uh, that. Holy shit. Now, it, again, as the father of a son, that's not the message I want to send to my son. So you can do anything under this guy's uh, rules. You can do anything as long as it's under 20 minutes. And Something along those it's lines. It's a slap on your wrist. Like, oh, yeah. I killed four people, but it was only in 18 minutes, so I'm good. Or, or 18 you. seconds. I mean, yeah, yeah, this guy this guy and the judge. Now, I signed the, um, the petition to get this judge taken out of office. Yeah. And when I signed it, it had been up for less than 24 hours and had 39,000 signatures. Holy shit. This judge fucked up beyond belief. Uh, he's running uncontested in the fall. Yeah which A, could change now, or if he does run uncontested and does retain his seat, uh, the next election he's done. Right? How many did it, uh, signatures did it have when you signed? Like 39,000. Oh, it says uh, it had uh, more than 400,000 by today. Wow. So, so I think everyone's on board with this, that yeah. you know, rich athletic kids who... Are children of privilege uh, and get oh, these yeah. slaps on the wrist, which is similar to the uh, uh, what did, what happened down in Texas where they let that kid off for because he had affluenza. Yeah, exactly. That shit's got to end, right? I mean, oh my god, uh, you rape somebody, you got to pay a strong price. And for me, as the father of a daughter, on the other the other side of the equation, if that's my kid. You, the price is going to be your life. Oh, I mean, whether it's, it's whether it's now or later, it's. I mean, it is the closest thing. I mean, that the closest uh, crime that we have. I mean, that that pe- that's talked about at least. That uh, it's the closest thing to murder, right? I mean, it's it, it's it's that it's that serious. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and uh, there. They're attempting a recall campaign out on the West Coast already for this guy, too, and for yeah. the judge, yeah. which is fantastic um, because I don't know what this guy was thinking, No, but he I mean, wasn't, right? Even if you were trying to – even if you were a knucklehead and trying to get this kid a lighter sentence for whatever reason, it's got to be longer than six months. Which will be three. Right. I mean, okay, six years, maybe I think it's harsh for some reason because of whatever extenuating circumstances, uh, fine. But instead of six years, okay, maybe it's three years. Maybe it's four years. Maybe it's whatever. But six months, that's just a joke. It's Well, 
the good news is is that because this kid got six months, yeah. Actually, if he would have got ten years, mm-hmm. it probably would have gone unnoticed. Yeah. Now that that kid's fucked. So enjoy your three months in jail, and then when you get out, enjoy never having a life. Oh my god. And yeah. I hope that's the case. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about it's that. It's bad, man. Good. Let's uh, screw that kid. Fuck these guys. <clears throat> all right, let's move on to something a little lighter and uh, introduce our uh, meandering and jumping back and forth and unstructured uh, conversation we had with uh, Jay Moore. Jay, we started talking to him about stand-ups and comedy and Louis C.K. and a couple things here and there that were sort of near to, near and dear to his heart. But then we quickly got off on tangents about, oh, uh, classic rock and SNL and Jim Brewer and I don't know. I mean, we went all over the place. Sarah and Silverman. The Beatles. Yeah, we uh, we took a long and winding path on this one. So there's no Long real... and winding road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no... Uh, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to this one. It's just sort of uh, a conversation with Jay Moore, and uh, uh, I think it's a good one. I think it's you get a little bit of uh, a feel for how Jay looks at things. I think, or at least a, a feel for um, I don't know, maybe his his quick mind that or his uh, I don't know, uh, attention deficit disorder. <laughs> he was all over the place, and uh, we went with him. So I think we're, we're, we're just as guilty as being all over the place. So, but uh, totally. it, it was fun. It was good. I enjoyed the conversation. I think people uh, will get a kick out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so listen to Jay. And uh, on the next podcast, or an, a, a soon-to-be upcoming issue, or issue episode of the podcast, um, we will revisit, we'll talk to Jay again. Um, we're speaking to him again this week and I might hold that episode, uh, for a few days and not publish two right on top of each other with Jay. Um, maybe s- spread them out a little bit, give them a little more room to breathe. But, uh, we've got Jay today and we've got Jay in the next uh, few days. So stay tuned to the podcast for, uh, all things Jay Moore. Hello? Jay. I just called like three people to see if my phone was working. <laughs> this is the only, only non phony voice. God damn Every it. time you had like, you had an SEC running back. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, I think it's because, yeah, I think it's because I'm calling from the bowels of a giant corporation and they have all sorts of uh, firewalls in place. You gotta check your balls, man, on your phone, dude. <laughs> and I just get out of that football, man. I like to wrap dudes up, baby, to the ground, man. That's why Alabama, Chris and Todd, Tuscaloosa, baby. That's how we do. You know what's up, man? <laughs> huh? The great Jay Moore. Jay, what? Uh, what's your favorite? He right, he right, he ain't on the ground, no. He ain't on the ground, no. Back man Jones told me that got crazy, man. You know he's great. Hold on, Coach Sullivan, put your joint down, dude. What's up? What's up? <clears throat> we, who's that. your favorite college Tried football team today? Moroni? Who's your favorite college football team? I don't have one, which is amazing. Because Isn't it? I, I don't have one either. I actually watch every game that I give a shit about, and I don't have to sit through, you know, hey, uh, this team versus Northwestern. Like, who cares if it's Ohio State Northwestern when you got uh, UCLA, Stanford, or, you know, SECs, what's up? There's just things going down all over the place. I didn't go to college because I barely got out of public school in New Jersey. And uh, so, yeah, I just root for everybody. <laughs> I dig uh, I dig stadiums. Some teams I like because of the stadium. Yeah. Like Georgia, between the hedges, it's pretty tight, man. Anytime yeah, it's, it's run an animal out onto the field, like Texas <laughs> runs that longhorn. Somebody's got to hold the leash of a longhorn, and every game I hope he gets gored to death by the thing's horn. The Buffalo in Colorado. I don't watch the game. I just hope that Colorado 
uh, Buffalo goes crazy. And Buffalo runs him. crazy. <laughs> the great, the great story was uh, when, out that hound dog. Yeah, when uh, when Jackie Sherrill was coaching at Mississippi State, and they were playing Texas, he actually castrated a bull in front of his team. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Bull. Mississippi State Bulldogs. He just took the nuts right yeah. off the bull. Fire him up. He took high <laughs> hell for it. <laughs> Don't fuck with that. You gotta be like, you completely run out of X's and O's when you go. You yeah, know what motivation we're doing? on the motivation. On the how motivation. Much bull? Yeah, how much is a bull? Because I'm all out of uh, bubble screens and post routes. <laughs> Student body right, left. I just I'm out of ideas. If I could cut the nuts off of an animal in front of guys that have probably never seen a bull before because they grew up in the, you know, downtown Houston, the Bronx. Right. What? Just walking into the locker room. Gather around. <laughs> yeah, here's a bull, gentlemen. Ah, uh-uh, dude, I ain't gonna need no bull, man. Yeah. I'm not no bull, man. I ain't like dogs, dude. That's I motivation. I don't fuck with no horses either, man. I don't fuck with horses. <laughs> so, Jay, I... The, hold on, Eric Berry, the safety for the Chiefs. Yeah. Who just came beat like leukemia, and he came back. He's terrified yeah. of horses. And you go to NFL Films, you go on YouTube, you'll just see him on the sideline mic'd up, and they have like a halftime show or something. He goes, man, I don't fool no horses, boy. You might come over here, bro. <laughs> He's terrified of a horse on the 50-yard line. He's going behind the bed. He might come over here, bro. Tantrum. I don't fool no horses, boy. Eric Berry's a good man. All right, your turn. Sorry. So... We were talking about some comedians because Michelle's not here. She's off doing whatever she's doing. She recently just saw Sarah Silverman and loved it. And I just saw Louis C.K. over the weekend. And he had a fantastic 80 minutes of tight, well-rehearsed, good comedy. It was, I mean, it, it easily could have been his own, uh, a, a, a whole special. It, it, was, it was really well done. And... That guy is is prolific. I don't know how a guy like that can put together such a great set when he's doing things like Horace and Pete, and he's got all these TV shows. Is yeah. he is he such a work is he a workaholic like we think he is? Um, I don't know if you're a workaholic if you're getting those results and it's what you want to do. Like is Pete Townsend a workaholic when he's doing Who albums and figuring out sequencing? You know, yeah. He he's a workaholic compared to anything I've ever done. And I would never take on that workload or be able to do it as well as Louie. Sure. I remember when I was on Open Anthony one day, he was in studio and he was editing his show during the actual radio show. He was editing his TV show Whoa. on his computer. He was his own editor. And he just recently, wow. I think, hired an editor to take that off his plate. And I was like, this guy, what I texted you, I was like, yeah. his work, man, this guy was always a good comic. And then... I don't know how long ago. I don't want to put a number on it in case I'm off. I don't want people to go, oh, you think he was good before that? Right. He just cr- something inside and just, it was flowing. And you're right. It, I, it's just what I told you when we were texting back and forth. Yep. He's, he's the greatest comedian right now. It's, not, it's like no one can touch him. But I will say this. Every time I walk off stage, I go, I could have filmed that. Mm-hmm. You're an egomaniac. I know. Sarah Silverman, Louis C.K., where did you see each of them? I saw Louis C.K. at the Chicago Theater, and it was fantastic. Damn. That's like 4,000 seats, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, four or five. And, and people were raging. There, it was insane. People were all over it. I don't know where, where Michelle saw Sarah. And you think about Louis' special that he filmed in Arizona, like his new stuff then is still cutting edge of it. I'm yeah, not it's not amazing how quick. What? He, yeah, that whole bit of what? Like, of course, rape is bad. What? That was fantastic. Like, no, he goes, hold on. And it's uh, like it's really George Carlin is. Yeah, it is. Very Carliny. Uh, where'd you see Sarah? It was Michelle. Mike, do you know where she? Saw him? I saw don't. Her? I'm not sure where she saw her. I think it was in a smaller place because yeah. it was actually Sarah Silverman was like doing an intro for three different like new comedians, but yeah. she did like a 15, 20 minute set at the front end of it or the back end of it. I'm not sure which. And she said she crushed it. But I mean, Good. if you're a little bit twisted, Sarah Silverman is like right. Oh, she's like perfect wheelhouse you know, for that. 
that you crush it because Sarah's uh, set, it's not, the frequency isn't crushed. The frequency is sort of like, like a boxer that kind of lulls you. And then yeah. Mm-hmm. Or she'll take you up to dribble, dribble, like lull you to sleep, they say, for point guards. Like, Louie goes out, and it's, I don't give a fuck! And he's got this fucking tirade queued up, uh, where Sarah's, like, really laid back. Sarah's sneaky. You know? It's very sleepy. Very, not yeah, she's laconic. Very laconic. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So, I do go to the doctor, <laughs> and, oh, my doctor told me I don't have herpes. And then you go, all right. And then till, then the joke comes in the back door and you realize your face down. Like, well, how did I just get knocked out? Yeah, what happened? She's very <laughs> nice, man. She was the one that helped me on Saturday Night Live. I was having a panic attack and I just thought I was dying. And she said, you are having a panic attack. Here's my doctor's number. She saved my life. Wow. And I left a message for her. doctor called me back in an hour. I was in her doctor's office on a Sunday, 10 a.m., the next day, Dr. Noel Taylor in New York got a prescription, and I've been on the same dosage, and you can put me in a submarine. I don't give a shit. Like, nothing really rattles me. Wow. That's about it. How old were you on SNL? I was in my life. 23, my friend. Wow. 23 and drunk. Nobody ever uh, told me my hair looked like that. You see old <laughs> sketches, like, you know, there's a whole hair and makeup department. Got, you know, I don't really own a mirror. I'm not vain, oddly. I know it might be hard to imagine, but I only cut my hair when I have to comb it because I go, wow, this is weird looking. <laughs> but you look yeah. at like the polar bear sketch, an iconic, da-da, crazy-ass, great sketch. Yeah. You go, wait, I, uh, his hair is like uh, a pro wrestler. Is he one of the hearts? <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> one of the heart brothers. Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Or Von Eric. Like one of the Whichever one's alive, I'll sign up. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one. one of the hearts or Von Eric because heart exploded or fell out of the rafters. Oof. Bad news, man. I'll be the old man. I'll be the grandfather heart that gives guys down into the basement to wrestle them and wrap them up and nothing sexual happens. The guy's just like a crazy awesome wrestler. He's like 90. He's just killing college kids up in Canada. (laughs) Did you know that? No. I didn't. The heart's grandfather was like a wrestling champion, but he also was a wrestling, real wrestling champion. So anybody from like universities or WWE school, they're like, hey, the old man wants you to go down to the dungeon. And you're like, I'll tell you, what is he, 88 now? Let's go. And he just fucking, like a Gracie, like an old Gracie. Oh, man. Wraps you up. And then you're like tapping out to this 90-year-old. He, nobody can beat him. Hmm. I did a book on pro wrestling trivia oh. about 15 years ago, and I can't retain any of the information at all. I have no idea. It's because you wrote the book, and you didn't have to memorize yeah. it until it was on the paper. I like, dumped so it out and stuck yeah. with knowing uh, Alpha and Sika, and then there's a third Samoan that never should have been there. There's no three-person tag teams. You don't have to create that. We're fine with two, and we're okay with midgets. But you know what? When you got a fucking five-on-five tag team, it just have a battle royal. <laughs> there you go. Now we're a team. Tag in, Me tag out. Guys. Me and these three guys, we're the we're the tag team champions. Exactly. No, you're not. Um, Tag team. This came up on my radio show today. If you had to pick one album, Karaoke Night. One album, all the marbles, cover to cover, what's your album? Oh, fuck. One of my guys, I had two different guys that's on my uh, staff arguing over which Duran Duran album. And I'm Jesus. like, well, whichever one has girls on film, I'll, I'll fill oh, in. Oh, Rio. Rest. Rio. The one Rio's with Rio. Great, but he's got. But the rest of the album is no good. That's what I if Rio was on the same album as Girls on Film, this is a rap. I got Van Halen one for myself. Mm. I'm I'm gonna take A C D C back in black. I might go yeah, a tribe called Quest. Huh? No, there's not one fucking bad song on that album. Every song rule is great. Have a drink on me. Ah, uh, come on, you're gonna put me you're on right, the spot I like that? Black is perfect. No, 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 you're right. Wait, Big Balls is uh, Dirty Deeds. Never mind. Yeah, that's Dirty Deeds. Uh, oh, you know um, what? You're right. For those, about, for those about to rock after track one, you're like, yeah, that gets a little sketchy. And then when I was running a lot, I remember I'd be on the beach and I'd just have my shuffle going. And then for those about to rock came on, I did a 33, 
minute run, and I never got past the minute mark for those about to rock. I just keep hitting restart with that ding, ding, So here's we got. What's yours? Back in black. Van Halen one and ran. I've got a tribe called Quest. Midnight Marauders. You can't do hip hop. Oh, you can do whatever you want, but hip hop on karaoke night. Just standing. That's a rough poetry. one. I, I don't do karaoke, but well, then you're gonna get, you're, for you're shits and giggles. A, you're inviting a shooting if you do rap at karaoke. That's all right. It's, it's an imaginary world we're creating. That's you right. Do whatever you want. That's you right. Fly. You can actually fly with your gift of flight. Well, Neil is pretty fly. I will do it with with Tanya gift of for a white guy. Well done film, though. You get to do that girl's on film, and you do your own back vocals. I got your big job. You, <laughs> you can bring down the house with that. I know, but nobody knows the other songs. Hey, uh, back, back in black, listen to this top to bottom. Hell's Bells, Shoot to Thrill. What do you do for money, honey? <laughs> giving, giving the dog a bone. Let me put my love into you. Back in black. I think, right, by the way, Should, pause right there. Let me put my love into you. Is probably the most underrated ACDC song. You know what? I would put it. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. I can listen to that album all the oh. way through. Never on the radio. It's never people don't no. mention it until you and I talk about it on the podcast. Well, have a drink on me and shake a leg are two other great songs that don't get a lot of talk from that album. Uh, put them equal to the, uh, let me put my love into you. No, I would say let, let me put my love into you is a little bit better, but they're definitely right there. Have a drink on me is one of my favorites because that was their that was their um, their homage to Bon Scott because they didn't mention Bon Scott anywhere on the album in the liner. Um, they just wrote that song and that was like their so long Bon kind of moment was that song. No, I didn't know that, so now I got to listen to it. I'm looking forward to walking my dogs later. Because I'll have back in black on. Mike, are you an ACDC historian? I'm Not particularly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a music guy, yeah. I'm a yeah. music guy. Oh, you're asking. Sorry, I thought I was a guest. All right, don't get all snotty because they're talking amongst themselves, you know? <laughs> Jade, did, uh, were you on uh, SNL uh, with Jim Brewer? No, we just missed one another. Oh, I thought so, all right. Jim Brewer is the guy. Jim ahead, made me go. laugh more than any living human being yeah. in my lifetime. Jim Brewer, in more different ways. On stage, sketch, on my couch, me on his couch, yeah. just doing weird-ass characters at 7 in the morning. Got to get up and go to the radio like, Private Brewer, wake up! And he would just wake up, and he would just be a private in the Army, and he'd just pick a character. It was amazing. That was That's awesome. Creative rewarding time in my life like 1992 93 yep. it was like Chappelle Brewer John DiMaggio come on flames skate harder uh, I, we all just play like acting school you and Brewer have a similar style I think I haven't seen him in a while no a similar style to the stand up yeah I mean you do sort of intense characters and, you, and you're, you're both great mimics Oh, but you didn't see my stand-up in, like, the last couple of years. It's all, um, it's, uh, I don't know how much, Jim, I haven't seen him in so long, yeah. so I'm, all I know is he's made me laugh more than any living human being. Yeah. Well, well I, my wife I'm, was next to me all the time, so when you're laying in bed late at night, uh, post, uh, when your erection is cutting weight for a wrestling match because you're finished, and then she does something funny, that's always funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was on. Uh, Brewer was on Howard Stern this morning. I yeah. don't know if you're uh, if you're a Howard Stern listener or fan oh, yeah. or a friend of the That's show, like, but um, he was on today and he, he was absolutely killing it. I mean, like they, no one in the studio could stop laughing at. Him. Um, the thing with Jim, I Brewer, find the guy, there's I no there's no medium that Jim Brewer yeah. doesn't visit and leave rubble. When he had his show, I might still have it but I'm not in the car at that hour. A serious satellite. Yeah. He had his own show. Yeah, what he has his he own show. What he would do was fucking, I remember driving to a gig down in uh, Ontario, California on the 10 freeway, just sitting there eating my balls in this traffic and I found Jimmy's show. And I was sitting there like, 
man, if I can cancel the show, I'll just drive around for two hours. This is the best. <laughs> and uh, he, man, high energy. He, he took a band out on tour with him. He, he, he's brave, too. Like, you bring a band out on stage to do all the, uh, who the fuck does impressions of drummers? <laughs> That's my vibrator just went off. Will you answer wow. that for me? Some dick. That was impressive. Right on. Well, the best right was he was, uh, uh, keys, right? Is right on off of Dirty Deeds, ACDC. Mike, yeah, I'm back. I'm I my uh my headset. Oh, fuck blew it. Up I'm, on me. Right, I'm telling you, right Jay. Now, if Mike's got Jay? problems again, yeah, do not hang up on me. I'm not. Um, I'm Mike, here. he's talking. Give him a break. No, no, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> is uh ride on off of what album? What is it? Right on. Right on. Dirty Deeds, isn't it? Close the Dirty Deeds? Yeah. Whoever's this is yelling at their fucking device, like, are you guys stupid? Meaning me, because I don't know this. It's, right, it's interactive radio. Totally interactive. Uh, I'll look it up myself, Mike, since... Uh, I know. I, I thought you were the man. Problems. Uh, yeah, Ride On is second to last track on Dirty Deeds. And then they ruin it by putting Squealer on after Ride On. Ride On, you get out of there. It's like Moonlight Mile on Sticky Fingers. You're done. Nothing comes after that. Mm. I'll take that off the air. So, Jay, when are we going to get you uh, east of Arizona for, for a stand-up show? When my kid is old enough uh, <laughs> to comprehend why daddy's gone. For uh, more than two sleeps, three sleeps. Damn it! Alma, St. Louis, I got coming up. Oh, it's good. Wait, well, when's St. Louis? I'll let you know. I don't have my calendar in front of me, and I don't. I'd like to make a road trip for that. How far drive is that? It's four hours from Chicago. Four hours. Or you can take the train. Oh yeah. Go see a Cardinals game, get a room, and write it off and charge it to the podcast. That's a business expense. <laughs> right, baby. That's right. Louis C.K. is the best comic now through my eyes when I'm watching guys because yeah. it's new, and not only is the material new, but the angle's new. And that's something, like Brian Regan's like that. Like, his material's new. He's wonderful. The angle, like, Brian Regan doesn't swear and he'll talk about his kids in pajamas, and you've heard everything. No, you haven't, because Brian Regan's got the weirdest angle on it, and you're powerless. If you hear it five consecutive shows, you're laughing the fifth time as hard as you were at the first. Yep. And I heard him, and you go, I like that stuff, like the generic. I like all these comedians, I envision, leaving a mine with, like, empty barrels and shovels going, nothing left in there, and that's when I go in. <laughs> And I went, that is exactly Brian Regan. That's a He's solid. Player. So if Louis C.K. is top of the pile, who's right below him? In your opinion. You're talking mm. today's comedians. Yeah. Today's comedians. Headliners or not? I'm out, of this, I'm out of this equation, right? Of course. No, you're not. Well, I'm right there. Of course. He, yeah, of course. But you've got to take yourself out. You, you've got to vote for your all-star yeah, team. I, Who's on it? Look like a guy that's, I look like a guy that's grandstanding, but when you're a comic, you're the ultimate truth teller yeah. because you tell lies your whole act. And then, you know, 25 years in, you flip a switch for some reason and it goes from lies to truth. And that's your voice. Like when Louie's going, you know what? Why don't you let one guy eat nuts and the whole school goes out and gets killed and then there's no more nut allergies. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And then all of a sudden you realize, holy shit, that's truth. It's hilarious. Um, I'm going to remove me entirely because you guys haven't seen the stand-up except for what was maybe on TV. Um, all right, Brewers up there. All right, there's different categories, right? So yeah. the first round draft of comics, and i got to feel the team of guys that are going to move the crowd. I'm taking Ralphie May in the first round. Oh, yeah. Ralphie May, May live or just fucking construction site when that motherfucker's done with that room just, <laughs> you better call some hats because you got to put it back together. uh brewer i had greg fitzsimmons going in front of me at the improv here in hollywood yeah 
And I went, well, there goes everything about my kids because I cannot do similar material and make it better than what Greg just did. It was crazy how great he was. Hmm. Uh, all right. So I got Ralphie. This is my first, this is like my first round picks. I got Louis number one overall off the board. Yeah. Louis C.K. is my number one pick if I'm picking number one. My number two pick, these are all first rounders, by the way. Yeah. I'll say, um, hmm, guys that are alive. I'll say Brewers in the first round, Ralphie's in the first round, Joey Diaz, Burt Kreischer. Mm. No bad blood, man. That motherfucker, when he's telling a story on stage, that's it's it's off the charts. Burt Kreischer's definitely in the first round. Oh, wow. Joey Diaz telling the story is in the first round. Those are the two best storytellers alive. Burt Kreischer mm. and Joey Diaz. Oh, where does the guy like Where We had this gay guy convinced he was going to suck our cock. We just started beating the fuck out of him. Maron, he fucking got an erection. What do they call it? A fucking, he was half masked. He beat the fuck out of us. I think he gave his fucking. I don't know if that's what he said. <laughs> Something along those um, lines. Paraphrased. Where does Chappelle well, I mean, fit in he, all this equation? I don't have Chappelle as a first round pick because. He's gone away from stand up for so long, right? I mean. In stand up at his peak, I think he got a lot more benefit of the doubt than the rest of the comics that are on this board. Hmm. Robbie goes up Bobby. and goes, oh, here's a... Sh Brad Williams. Brad Williams. Yeah. That special was so fucking hilarious. I actually could not believe what I was watching. He wasn't even talking about midget shit no more. Yeah, he's he solid. amazing. Um, he's great. I ran into him in Vegas a couple months ago. He does, he's as nice as they get, man. Walking down Fremont Street. Well, wow, that that's something you'll notice. Fremont Street, everybody's looking up, and then also <laughs> no you shit. Go, uh, yeah, there he is, six foot seven <laughs> or whatever. On my knee, there's balls on my shin. Oh, hybrid. <laughs> For me, it'd be on my forehead. I don't know why I said Alex. Hybrid, Alex Baldwin. Uh, Chappelle's thing is this: is he does a lot of his own punchlines in the white guy voice. You yeah. know why they don't take black people hostage? I'll tell you why. They don't take black people hostage. Because we're bad bargaining chips. So then, <laughs> ten minutes later, when he does the white guy voice to make fun of a white guy, it's like, no, that's that's your voice. The first fifteen minutes of the show. Then my friend Neil, we got pulled over by the police. My friend Neil was like, Dave, what's happening? Um, like, that's that's the voice you use for the punchline. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. not see that. So once I clicked into that, that's like, a great oh, observation. No. But here's the thing, though. Chappelle is one of the most brilliant human beings alive. And when he first came to Manhattan, he was 16, 17, he told stories. There was no, like, white guy, black guy. He told stories about his brother putting him in the dryer as a kid. Yeah. And it was the fucking funniest shit you ever heard in your life because it was true. And it was coming out of the mouth of, like, this teenager. And the balls this guy had. He don't give a fuck. You could put Chappelle at a KKK rally. Man... He'll just stand there, man. He he's brave. He walked away from that money. Guys oh got some God, yeah. Fifty million dollars. Well, when you have ten, the walk's a little <sighs> exactly. Exactly. Oh no, when you have ten, you can walk a little quicker. When you have ten, sixty looks awfully a lot like generational money, right? Like I can set my family up for a fucking hundred years. Don't Can't do that. Like it seems a pattern, and yes, I'm generalizing, I'll preface this, but like Tommy Davidson, Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy, Chappelle, it's like all, like, yeah. three-quarters way through the story, they fucking short-circuit. Like, paranoia, everybody's out to get me, I'm fucking out of here. Hmm. Like, nobody's out to yeah, get you, well, and you smoke fucking 80 bowls an hour, maybe, you know, stop smoking grass with fucking shit in it. <laughs> with, yeah, laced. Well, what what happened to Eddie Murphy? I mean, he's like completely gone, oh. gone, lost it. He's sad. His whole he's lonely, man, he's, he can't go down the street. Yeah, well, he can't leave his house. You got Eddie Murphy off the phone. Yeah, yeah and people know who. Is. You and I, you and I are making a connection. He, this doesn't happen with him. Like when I was on Pluto Nash, as stupid as that movie is, <laughs> I got to sit across the guy every day for twelve hours, look into his eyes, and go. Like, what's up, man? Like, what's going on? You should play Martin Luther King. I saw you do an impression of him. 
at the comic strip, and it was perfect. It was frightening. It was a. It was like Craig Gass's Pacino, where it makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I've seen the person talk, and I'm like, ah, do it again. Like, ooh, like a haunted house. Like I know where it's all coming from, but it fucking scares me every time. And yeah. Eddie Murphy's Martin Luther King Jr. was so perfect, and I'm like, oh my god, this is your Oscar. And he goes, nobody wants to see me do that, man. No. And I just dismissed it completely. I'm like, no, they. That's the yeah, whole. Yeah, they actually game. would. Yeah. Like when Al Pacino does a comedy, it'll be his first, and you can tell the entire movie because he's doing a comedy. Eddie Murphy is Martin Luther King Jr. We can't wait. Oh yeah. And I would do his joke back to him. I would do jokes from his specials to him and go, "I love this." The dog don't know his name, Eddie. Watch this, Coco. Where the fuck is he going? And he goes, "What's that from?" I go, "That's you." He goes, "I said that." I'm like, "Oh no!" Like just such a disconnect. Wow. Yeah. Well, the whole thing with S- SNL for the anniversary special when he would not engage and get up there and be Eddie Murphy. He's like, you know, the, the former Eddie Murphy he goes up there like, you know, in weird fashion and doesn't do anything funny. It's like, well, why yeah, are you not engaging on that level? Yeah. What was the beat? Cause it's not like kiss rock and roll hall of fame where it's like, no, you guys are fucking drug. Oh. You brought the band. Down. Right. And now Gene Simmons, and Earl oh. Parker is selling cigarette lighters more than music. So they can't get on the stage at the same time. Eddie Murphy, like, I got invited. The only reason I didn't go, because you don't get a plus one, and I wasn't going to put my wife on a different floor to watch me standing next to fucking Paul Simon and tell yeah. her about it later. You're married. That's the concession you make happily. I'd rather watch it on TV and talk about it than have to fucking tell her about it and hear about it. Yep. So right. Eddie Murphy, like, what was the beef? I don't remember. Like, what was the problem? I don't, I don't think there was a beef. I think they, you know, I, I mean, he left that show in very good graces. He was on fire when he left, right? I mean, that was like trading places that time in his life, right, when he bailed out of SNL. So it was, there was no beef yeah. with Lorne Michaels. It was just, he just left. And then they asked him to come on and be funny, and he's like, I think it's more that he's of the variety of, or the point in his life where... He thinks doing anything funny is going to be a caricature of himself. Well, he had a beef with David Spade about the. Uh, uh, That's what it was. That, that little thing. beef, yeah. Oh look, mom, a falling star, and was it a picture of? Oh yeah, yeah. Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah, that's right. But that was a guy. What, it wasn't the, the whole fuck show. What are they going to do about that? What are they going to do about that? Exactly. I mean, what does what Lorne Michaels not invite David Spade, who was a fucking cast member <laughs> no, for like no. nine years? Ooh. It's a true story when he was in Hollywood Minute and did the story about Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy called the fucking show and Eddie put David Spade on. David Spade actually took the phone, not realizing it would actually be Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy's like, man, what the fuck you doing, man? Why are you fucking doing jokes about hookers and shit? Like, well, I'm a fucking family man. What you doing, man? And Spade was like, um, let me call you back. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it was the fact that SNL didn't say, can we please take out this joke about Eddie's according to the show? Yeah. That well, so, who's big enough for that, right? I mean, they've skewered every yeah, well, we, we, and that. The answer, the the answer is Eddie Murphy, right? That's the answer. Yeah, he is that's exactly that's exactly his size at that time. And when movies aren't making money, he's still Eddie Murphy, right? And I'm not saying that facetiously. It's, it's that's a fact. And here we are. Like, who's that big? Well, him. So yeah, I weird. Mean, all those. He's, how about the one about weird? in a great way was they're going, Oh, I hosted five times too. I hosted five guys. I'm in a club. I hosted like Al Baldwin, Tom Hanks, uh, this guy. That guy. And then it was, uh, Paul Simon and Paul McCartney. And they go, actually, we're in the smallest club. It's guys that have hosted five times and are named Paul. And I was like, God <laughs> damn, that's specific. <laughs> <laughs> and they both have to show up in order to pull it off. You don't know they're both going to be there. It's a live show. Oh, yeah. One of them goes, yeah. Oh, it's okay. I got stuck in traffic with Edie Raquel. I can't go. Edie Raquel. You know how close the Beatles almost went that night? Who? The Beatles almost went that night when Lorne Michaels goes, um, No, they didn't. uh, Here's a check for $1,000, whatever it was, $200. If you split it any way you want. If you want to give Ringo less, that's up to you. You come down. And they were in a hotel in Manhattan, and they, it was like 99% out the door. And it was like a phone rang, like something completely inconsequential that kept him from going. Wow. Like John was all over that stuff. John used to watch. Martin Mole told me um, he was partying with like John Lennon in a hotel. Well, not with him. He was in a hotel room and John Lennon was there as well. Waved them over. They're smoking a joint. And John Lennon turned at the TV. It was the Lawrence Welk show. And he just stares at the TV. He looks at John Lennon. John Lennon looks at Martin Mole and goes, he's got a great gig. 
He just dances, introduces people, they play the recordings. He's having a good time, puts on a nice, like, like look how easy it can be. I'm in the Beatles. <laughs> Jesus. Girls was, uh, on film. Beatles. Girls on film. He, he, I would have liked to have seen Lennon singing that with a, just an acoustic or a piano. <laughs> I would like to have seen Dirty Mac when they were up and running the rock and roll circus. Well, of course we would, but the Beatles, when they did, got filthy. Like, I'm Late so 60s. lonely, I'm going to die. And Why don't we do it in the road? The road. Oh, uh, there was yeah, like dirt revolve. under the nails. Are you a uh, are you a she loves you yeah yeah Beatles fan or are you a you know Revolution number uh, nine? Eight, there's the entire journey. I'm all in. Yeah. You're you're good there's for nothing all. of theirs. Well, there's never they were first no matter what they did. Yeah, I mean when you're doing fucking Sergeant Pepper's like a concept album. Although it'd be uh, other people dressed in costumes. It'd be us doing uh, Salt and Pepper dog, uh, Magic uh, Sergeant Pepper, and uh, you know. It'd be like a make-believe band, but it'd be us playing it from just fictional characters. And then George Harrison actually said, this is fucking dumb. And he left. This is the craziest And they called Eric Clapton to join the Beatles. Oh, right. It's in Bob Spitz's book, The Beatles, which is 3,000 pages long. And I brought it to Hawaii with me. And I needed a suitcase for the book. It's that big. <laughs> and George Harrison left. Clapton's on his way over. George Harrison goes, I'm sorry, and comes back. They had to tell Clapton, like, hey, we closed. You got to go home. You can't go, like, George is back. You're not, we don't hold you in as high regard. That's so the awesome. very next album is the Magical Mystery Tour, and George is just happy to go play again. And Paul walks in. We got an idea where we all go on a Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> and Paul and uh, George just goes, ah, oh, this is fucking not ending, is it? He leaves again, and they call Clapton again, and then Clapton is on his way to the studio and the manager talks to George and goes, the songs are great. You got to hear what Paul has. They're great. And he goes, let me hear a few of the songs. I'm smoking reefers. And then uh, they just played like Paul was like on the phone with them, just magical mystery talk. And Paul solo and acoustic is as powerful as tenacious. D. Well, nobody's as powerful as tenacious. Yeah. I'm no, not joking. Nobody is. Yeah. I'm not fucking kidding. Oh no. All. Hey, I've seen them live. Paul acoustic. They're amazing. If you go, if you go on YouTube and look up any Paul acoustic Beatle era stuff, like him backstage doing black, uh, Helter Skelter on the acoustic guitar, he's got righty guitar, he's playing it lefty upside down like Cobain, and he's doing Helter Skelter, and he's doing the bass with his mouth, Helter Skelter, and you look at John in the corner on acid playing mirror games with Yoko, and you go, man, you know what? Maybe she did fucking break him up because this guy should be working really fucking hard while you said crisscross applesauce. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Paul McCartney at the Super Bowl and they did get back. Paul McCartney did get back and he couldn't hit the notes that Billy Preston sings on the album. Yeah. So he went down. Instead of like, get back, he went, get back, get back, get back. And I have fucking goosebumps right now, man. That was the filthiest shit I've ever heard in my life live. Mm. Is a fucking old dude that looks like an old Norwegian woman. He's like, hey, Paul McCartney, it's the Super Bowl. It's good. Get back. Boom. Get back. That shit fucking haunted my house, man. The best <laughs> ever. How many Super, Super Bowls have you been to, Jay? Eight. Yeah. Uh, nine. I've been to eight in a seat. I went this year, but I didn't go to the game. I drove home to watch it on my television. You- did you see uh, Prince the last time our, our beloved Bears were in the Super Bowl? Yeah, Miami. Miami. My wife had this gig for like some gambling site where they put billboards up with just my wife and like, here's this phone number to gamble. And they paid her a ton of, of fucking all money. Box, I don't know the boxers have like, painted on their backs. I don't really remember. One? I would tell you. Goldenpalace.com. Golden no, not that one. No, it wasn't Golden Palace. No, that's yeah. weird. No, it wasn't that one. Okay. Those guys were drawing on Sharpie on their back for like 40 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I tell like Jim Florentine. <laughs> yeah. Jim Florentine will tell you. Jim Florentine will go, those guys probably drew it on their backs in Sharpie. Here's an eight ball. <laughs> those guys don't give a Just fuck. Here's $40. Let me write on your back. Yeah. Let me give you a massage. They even know they're fucking coloring with a paintbrush, these fucking guys. Um, Florentine's up there, too. He's turning a corner. He's telling the truth. But she, we went to Cabo. Part of her deal was, and then Super Bowl, we fly you and somebody out. And uh, part of your deal is we put you up for a week and a half for an extra, like, whatever amount of dollars. So I'm in Cabo for, like, two weeks with my wife 
watching that Super Bowl, and that was weird because like pouring rain when you're standing in the sun. <laughs> like wow, yeah, it's fucking yeah. pouring in Miami. But I'm uh, I have a sunburn. This is weird anyway. <laughs> and then uh, he just killed it, man. He killed it. Yeah, he did. Who yeah, would was, who uh, would you have do, do the halftime show at the Super Bowl? Show. Last year was so easy. I can't even believe they fucked it up. Only a conglomerate like the NFL could ruin that. It's San yeah. Francisco. Metallica closes. Huey Lewis in the news. Journey gets reunited, and then fucking Metallica closes. Good night. Bye. Thank you. You're welcome, yeah. Bay Area. Chris Isaac will be your MC. Bye bye. That's that's I actually the, that. Up to Jim Brewer do them all. Yeah. <laughs> Brewer could do it. Brewer could have played fucking quarterback in that game. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. My lefty. JJ. I'm a lefty. JJ. A lefty. Shut up. Go Adam, boy. <laughs> go. Be a parent. <laughs> First of all, I'm not high. Jimmy's the best. That's right. God, I love Brewer. He was in town. Yeah, he was great. In hey, Vegas. One of the things that he was doing in New York is he is actually opening at an insane pound. Insane clown posse at the gathering. Yeah, fucking opening for those you bozos, know. which takes for juggalos. Balls. Yeah, that's fucking yeah, dangerous. Which where they throw it's not dangerous because you're on their side. No, but no, you're, they throw shit at people they don't like. Here's the thing: it's like opening for Dice. If you walk out, it's because they are opening for Sinatra. Um, that's Dice's guy. Let's go. Let's party. Like, oh, my God, insane clown posse. We're fucking morons, uh, audience members. But look, this is the comic out of everyone. This is the guy. That's like, yeah. oh, my God. And he's mocking. Now all those bits, all Jim has to do is, like, twist him a little bit towards something else. And it's, he's kind of, he can just mock them to this crowd that are never going to go tell fucking Lars Ulrich. And he buries you guys. Right, right. He yeah. just go up in front of the Douglas and go, man, I fucking hate Metallica. And people are like, yeah, this is all the best. ACDC sucks, man. This is real music here tonight. That's just Don Draper stuff, man. Change the message. <laughs> Who's the best? I like it. Any girls in my first round? Mm-mm. Is it a silver no. medal? No. I don't have her as a first round pick. I, mean, I don't know, man. Like not you said, put, she's... Uh, David tells us up and puts the Definitely, right? Who, who's that? Dave Attell. Oh, yeah. He's great. He, he's definitely a first-round pick. Midget run, ever see a midget run away? They don't get smaller like you or I. They turn their back and fucking disappear. <laughs> <laughs> if, I was a, if I was a midget, I'd be late every day for work. And they go, where were you? And I go, look at these little legs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Took me a week to get here. There was a puddle. I had to swim it. Uh, call tomorrow when your phones work. Yeah. Hey, mine works great. I'm, okay, it's the first time wall, today, right? you're the one that brought it up. No, that's God, Brendan brought Mike's up the guy. firewall. This is Mike. Listen, that's fine. But then Brendan was up. Yeah, Mike's like, let me get my headset together, and then he just went underwater in the Nemo submarine. All yeah. right. That's right. That was last time. That'll never happen again. Listen, I'm in the. I'm lucky. I can call out of this place. This giant behemoth. In the fucking dungeon. I know. Why, why are you cursing so much? You know, do it on your friends. Do it on your friends. Why are you cursing so much? <laughs> she ain't the kind of girl you fucking forget about. Whoa, why are you cursing so much? Uh, Teresa Saldana, rest in peace. TMZ had a clip of the wrong lady up on Raging Bull. For Teresa Saldana, what? Done. She no. Away from Raging Bull. So they got Jesus. De Niro yelling. Bring the steak over. You want your steak? That's not her. Oh, my God. She's Pesci's wife. And he says, take the baby. You're making her cry. And the wife yeah, goes, yeah. you're making her cry. And then Pesci goes, I'm going to make you cry. I'll yeah. make you cry. Make the coffee. The coffee. Raging I need the coffee. Hey, uh, the lady's out before training camp, Jake. All right. Yeah, but don't tell Lenore. Because I'm not taking her. All right. Do what you got to do. Oh, I will. Gentlemen, call me tomorrow. Let's do this again. All right. We will, Let's Jay. Cover bands. Yeah. Best cover bands, the names are always puns. Yeah. It's always like a name of a tune, like Riders on the Storm for the Doors. <laughs> and uh, then yeah. uh, our karaoke albums, let's really narrow this down. Because I don't think I can come off of Van Halen 1. I'll look, though. I'll try. Mm. Maybe, uh, uh, second place. I do like Van Halen 1, huh? though. That's a great pick. That's a great pick, Van Halen you know, 1. You do Darkness on the Edge of Town, you're going to have everybody's attention. You get into, like, 
Streets mm. of Fire, they're gonna go, wow, this guy's this guy's really intense. But then when too he goes to fucking Adam Ray's the king, huh? Yeah. It's just a little too too melancholy. Too dark. Yeah, it's like dark. <laughs> that was like that dark period. Gotta lighten up a little bit. Aren't you just, aren't you just you go up there and the have money or for the chicks? Well, I mean, you go up there and you do Nebraska, and people will be putting shotguns in their mouth and pulling the trigger. Yes, yes, they are. So actually, if you do any Springsteen acoustic and actually can hear what he's saying. It's all the same depression the yeah, whole it's way. It's amazing. Born in the USA, the entire album, you're like, oh my God, Dancing in the Dark is so sad. All right, that's it for Jay. Uh, sorry about the abrupt ending, but uh, he had to go. And be sure to follow Jay Moore on Twitter, at jmore 37 and listen to his podcast, uh, More Stories, where he has a great interview, his, his most recent one, with Ileana Douglas, where she talks about... Uh, uh, her time with Martin Scorsese. Uh, and we will definitely check in with Jay again in a future podcast. Sláinte. Please follow us on Twitter at Irish Pubcast. There's a county map to go with the wall of her. Let's stick in the shinty bowl to break the brack, the crack and all. Let's call it an Irish pub. Every shot, go get in your top to get us put in a cabbage crack. The eye don't want to be paddy trapped. We'll call it an Irish pub. While all people to spread upon the holy book. The only crack you get is a slap in the ear. While all people to love them burst your filthy mug. If you draw one more shot, I'll get me beer. If you draw one more shot, I can't be free.